Hello and welcome to the Court of Alex podcast. I'm V, and it is a terrible day to be green. I'm joined today by Joe. Hello. And no muse, unfortunately. Joe, do you know where she is? I have no idea. Cool. <laughs> she did, it's not like she's absent. She did tell us she was going to be missing, but I just forgot why. I think she had some friends hanging out or something like that. You know, the better people in her life. <laughs> <laughs> At least some of us have friends. Ah! <laughs> I was taught... That was supposed to be self-deprecating. Oh. I'm your friend, Joe. Really? Eh. That's understandable. <laughs> All right. Back to my intro. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> We're a comics podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps. You can skip out over the titles if it's something you haven't read or aren't interested in reading. So normally I would pass this off to Joe first because I am a gentleman. But <laughs> today I'm going to take it all for myself because I did something new. I you jumped did. on the Marvel bandwagon. You did. You took over Muse's slot. For real, except no X-Men here. We've got two number ones, which is a very good place to start. Yeah. Let's start with Juggernaut. That's the fastest one, I think. Okay. Fabian Nisiza is the writer. I learned he's um, Argentinian-American, which is my favorite. Um, <laughs> Ron Garney is the artist, and he does a pretty good job. I don't know how to say it exactly. It's You know, it's that new style where it's like a little bit bland in places, but he actually puts a lot of work into the backgrounds when they need it. Uh -huh. But it still has like that sort of sparse coloring that you get in some of the um, like Wonder Woman comics. Oh, uh, like uh, Mikhail Janin? yeah. Basically, it's not something I would write home about, but it's serviceable. Okay. I don't know. As far as, like, the writer, Fabian Nisiza, I know he worked on Deadpool. I don't know much else. But mm -hmm. it's a perfectly serviceable story. Basically, the Juggernaut is part of a demolitions group now. And after, you know, of course, the superheroes have trashed someplace, the city hires this demolition team, and they have Juggernaut run around and break buildings, which seems like a really great job for him. Yeah. Well, it turns out there's a bunch of homeless kids in the buildings to be demolished, and one of them has superpowers. She basically can slow people down. So she slows him down, and he has a moment where he's like, oh, this reminds me of my dark past. And so we get to go back, we get to see what's been going on with him, like, even a few months ago. He basically gets abandoned someplace magical by a possessed magic. And when I say magic, I mean the X-Men character, not the... Oh, okay. not actual, like, sorcery. <laughs> yeah, so she got possessed. She tore out the gem that was in uh, Juggernaut, and she shoved him in this sort of limbo. And if you want to know more about that, of course, Uncanny X-Men number 21. Nice notes. Thank you. He's been running around... And we get to see him go through his own personal, like, trial. They don't really explain how he got back, but they do kind of show you, like, as sort of an emaciated man who doesn't fit into his juggernaut costume, like, walking around oh. uh, with pieces of his costume. <laughs> and then we get to keep cutting back to now, where he goes mm -hmm. in. He's trying to connect his past to feeling helplessness with... Um, how he imagines this young mutant must be helpless. So he's like, I gotta get this thing to Krakoa. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> he finds the girl. 
She's like some punk kid. She's obsessed with, you know, the internet and YouTube and pranks and basically every teenage stereotype written from an older man's perspective. Another Bendis creation? Yeah, she doesn't talk like a valley girl, so oh, not quite. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Better standing a, then. She's just a teenager. Um, all of her friends are on their phones and he's like, everyone get off your phones and help her. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. So she basically slows him down and he can still go forward just at a really slow speed. Mm-hmm. And so she's freaking out because she can't get him to stop. He crashes past her. And of course, like the line where like she's like, um, you know, why can't you? Why won't you stop? And she's like, "Stop, please stop!" And he's like, "I don't know how because he's the juggernaut." Right, he can't stop. <laughs> he's not on brand, so she passes out from like his power overpowering her power, and then he like demolishes the building. <laughs> of course, so he gets his job done. Well. <laughs> He was definitely trying to save this girl, but he knocks mm. the wall down and then he's all like, oh no, the kid. And he's yelling at them, why are you kids always on your phones? Get over here and help. <laughs> and they upload it to YouTube and of course she gets like a million hits and she's trying to recruit him to be on her YouTube channel. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's weird. And so basically she tries a few things. He's kind of chummy with her now. Which is kind of cute, because, like, I don't know who he's chummy with. I know he's been on teams before. It does feel really forced. I know absolutely nothing about Juggernaut. And it sounds forced, just the way that you're describing it. It kind of reminds me a little bit, like, the Wonder Woman comics, like you were saying, by uh, Mariko Tamaki with that yeah, the self-insert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's, like, a little Mary Sue who jumps in, and all of a sudden she's everything. This one is called the D-Cell. At least that's what she calls herself. <laughs> yes, he makes fun of her name too, but that doesn't make it okay, dear writers, to make stupid names for your characters. Like a, the battery? That's what he says. But Oh yeah. my gosh. It's because oh, she's no. trying to decelerate people, but she's like, that's the only name I've got. And he's like, ugh. Mm. Okay. So she claims she's not a mutant, but she can decelerate people, but she doesn't give any alternate. So she might just be a mutant in denial. Okay. Um, she tries to recruit him to fight the Hulk because she sees a poster that says donate to help the victims of this menace and it shows the Hulk and the juggernaut's like you're kidding and so of course in the next issue he's gonna be fighting the Hulk, fighting the Hulk. haven't they fought before I'm a positive times? they have I think I just saw Marvel doing this tweet actually of who would win the juggernaut or the, or the Hulk and as of right now, Hulk is winning 114% to <laughs> Juggernaut 16 point something. Last oh I gosh. checked. Well, that's probably what that was for then. So, you know, it's, it's a new thing for Juggernaut. I don't think he's had a solo series before. But does he technically also have diplomatic immunity? Has he um, gone to Krakoa before? Probably. If he thinks he can get someone else there and he trust them enough to pick up some random kid he found he probably has good opinions of krakoa but hold on to your horses we're not done with krakoa yet let's talk about the hulk (laughs) now let's talk about the she hulk because um she also got a number one the immortal she hulk Mm -hmm. one shot actually which i was a little disappointed to hear is it really a one shot yeah 
Oh, well, that changes my opinion on it completely. Anyways, uh, The Immortal She-Hulk, uh, written by Al Ewing, and the artist is John Davis Hunt. This one was a little bit tricky because if you have been following this podcast, if you've been reading the Empire issues, you know that uh, She-Hulk was killed off-camera mm-hmm. by an alien race called the, the Kotati. They basically um, trick, you know, Iron Man and by proxy all the Avengers into thinking they're the good guys on the moon. And She-Hulk is one of the people to go out there. They get her alone. They basically scoop her out and fill her with one of their parasitic, you know, people. So she's basically a a corpse being controlled by sentient plants. We don't find that out, of course, until the big battle. And then all of a sudden she goes haywire and people are like, wow, she was dead the whole time. So she references that in this. We get to see how many times she's died. She died the first time because she was shot, right? Right. This was when Bruce Banner brought her back. Yes, and how she became the She-Hulk. Which I did not know about her origin. I knew that Bruce gave her blood, but I didn't know it was because she got shot. I thought it was like one of those like necessary surgery type of things or whatever. I'm not entirely sure either. They could have rewritten it because like mm. even this original one, she doesn't look like, you know, the original. This is what gets to me though, is that she's a lawyer. And yeah. in this <laughs> I'm so angry. Sorry. She's a lawyer, and in her flashback, when she gets shot, she's wearing a white tank top and purple pants. Basically, mm. in the next panel, so that you don't forget that this is Bruce Banner's clothes, <laughs> Bruce Banner is tying a tourniquet around himself, and he is also wearing a white t-shirt and purple pants. And it's like, they're not the Scooby-Doo squad. They don't dress alike. What the heck? <laughs> Put her in a suit, please. This is stupid. Sheesh. But yeah, so she, you know, falls down this hole and basically has, like, this hallucination about, like, a sky with, like, it's green sky. It has creepy eyes and teeth. Mm. And there's, like, a decrepit city, like, crumbling all around her. And it says, you bear my mark. So it's basically like a big green demon in the sky. So she's like, wow, I had a hallucination before I became She-Hulk. And so she's like, well, you know, this isn't real at first. This is what you get when you have a near-death experience. Right. It's very dramatic, too, which is just also really off-putting when you remember the original She-Hulk. I'm sorry, this is the part of the show where I talk about one of my faves. (laughs) I loved the She-Hulk growing up, and here's why. She would break the fourth wall constantly to talk to the reader. She would have some quippy line about the editor's choices. She was Deadpool before Deadpool existed. Okay? Right, because she was around more in the 80s and Deadpool didn't come till the 90s. She was fantastic. She would call the artists out if she looked too hot. You know what I mean? Like if she's mm. wearing too much cleavage. Not all the time. It wasn't annoying. But like every once in a while there would be some little snappy turn to the camera. And it was always in the service of a really funny joke. So, I loved the She-Hulk because she had something that no other hero in Marvel had. She was unique. She was amazing. She has been stripped of that. Now we get this girl who bursts into rage fits and becomes the Hulk. It's Bruce Banner light at this point. Yeah, and that's kind of how they described it too because I believe I saw in the earlier issues of this Avengers run, they said how... 
Jennifer is trying to become stronger as a She-Hulk, and she understands that in order to become stronger, she's going to lose a lot of her vocabulary. Well, in this book, too, she she says that, like, words are just harder for her because of the blazing emotions she feels. She's like, everything, all my thoughts are clear, you know, I just can't express them in stupid words. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you're actually smarter as the Hulk. You just can't talk. Right. And it's really weird, too, because I'm so used to her, like, embracing being She-Hulk and doing these, like, model photo shoots and going to court as She-Hulk, but, like, in, like, a formal suit that fits the She-Hulk build and, you know, with the Fantastic Four and everything. I loved her in that. Like, she was extremely confident. It was really hilarious because Bruce would be like, oh, I'm torn in two, I have... My demon, which is yeah. the Hulk, and she's just like, I look fabulous, and like she totally embraces mm-hmm. it. And because of that, there is no disconnect. Yeah, yeah. She is the She Hulk. She can go back and forth, but she likes to stay in the She Hulk because it makes her powerful, it makes her iconic, mm-hmm. and it also gives her a voice. Like when she's trying to protect the scrolls. Yeah, she actually tries to protect scrolls when everyone still thought they were bad because they would be able to connect to her because she was green, you know? Right. I think they're trying to play up the differences between her regular self and her Hulk self, but it really undermines what she was and kind Mm. of adds nothing special. Like, it kind of just takes away from her storytelling-wise. Yeah. It's also just kind of irritating to hear her caveman talk her way through life. She's quippy. She's quick she's very intelligent she's very beautiful she's very confident she is the whole package and yeah she has like flaws but usually those are based on the circumstance Mm -hmm. it's not like she herself is a super flawed person because she is very healthy she takes care of herself mentally and emotionally and so that's kind of a breath of fresh air when she's the hero her adventures are hilarious and when she's with other people she plays up nicely to them Mm-hmm. depending on who's writing her but then like in the most recent one i remember they did make a mockery of her by like giving her a cooking show and making her sort of oh uh, like what they did to the female furies <laughs> 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 that horrible miniseries that tanked after the first issue apocalypse is pleased by your apple pie <laughs> you may now proceed to the swimsuit competition um no, yes, yeah, it's very updated by someone who had ideas, but mm-hmm. didn't respect the source material. In this, I'm not going to say that they don't respect the source material. I would say that this is a bit of a letdown if you aren't used to the letdowns that Marvel throws mm-hmm. out pretty consistently. And there were a few, like, things that I didn't like. But overall, like, there's a lot of nice moments where we get, like, some hints at a mystery right there's something Mm -hmm. new there's something different interspersed with some really terrible stuff like okay so she hulk is having a fight with a villain called tantrum and he like feeds off of people's anger okay seems like the parasite to the hulk yes exactly or no, fear, sorry. He feeds off of fear. That makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> he feeds off of fear. So everybody's been scared ever since, like, the invasion. He's pretty much robbing, like, it looked like a theater, so I don't know what was going on. But she's fighting him. 
And then Wolverine shows up and murder stabs this guy in the back. Because <laughs> diplomatic immunity for all mutants. <laughs> well, he kills the mutants. So basically his <laughs> idea is, I can kill anyone that's a mutant because I'll just bring him back to my creepy island and grow them as an egg again and boom, they're alive. Maybe right. we'll do some behavior modification in the moon. I don't know. But it's the prestige thing where they're like, oh, they're not really dead. But they kind of are. Mm-hmm. You psycho. Didn't he also say like something like Tantrum has things to answer for because he broke the major mutant law about killing? Yeah, so that's that's our hero, boys and girls. That's Wolverine. So he's t- he's bragging about how their island has is for mutants, right? Mm. He's like... Ooh, we've got a place on our island for anyone. Anyone who's a mutant. She's like, hmm, nice for some, because she speaks only in caveman language. Right. So he goes, yep, years of being hated, hunted. He just goes on this whole thing, and he's like, and finally we got a safe place, someplace it's ours. Oh, and you, after being a celebrity, loved and adored, you got, oh wait, you got everything you always had. Our island doesn't affect you at all, except you can't have it. It's the one thing you can't have. Nice for some, huh? Like, everybody's so jealous of wanting to go to Krakoa. This is someone mouthing off after, like, all of their human loved ones have said, I think what you guys are doing might be unethical. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds kind of terrifying. Makes you wonder, too, is, like, do all of them have this type of speech instilled in their minds when they come out of those eggs? Oh my gosh, you're right. Probably all that, like... (laughs) weird defensiveness of their master (laughs) they're never gonna do this but what would be amazing is if it turns out that all the people it brought back from the dead were just like replicants of itself you know and then like when they defeat it everyone's dead who who died so like if you killed someone saying oh they'll just come back to life on this island you've killed them interesting take yeah, we'll I take it I'd up do it. with Al. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very bad because I feel like everyone except for like five people would be dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, she takes Wolverine out for a beer because he's clearly going through something. But then she starts talking about her near-death experiences. And she goes back to talking to us about how Thanos killed her. First time, she thinks the underworld is a hallucination the second time she's talking to bruce banner's dad basically oh okay her uncle brian (laughs) brian banner bruce banner (laughs) oh man show you this guy is an absolute psycho they're like wow he's she's like oh no i'm in hell (laughs) if you're here this is hell i guess he killed his wife i did not know that i didn't know that either i did know that he was partly responsible for bruce's condition Oh. Then she says, hey, everyone, remember when he came back as a giant monster on the green? So basically, it sounds like he got out of hell, but then he got turned into a Hulk character. And Mm. now he's in the Hulk place, which is like an under hell purgatory. (laughs) It's a really weird thing because I do remember reading some Hulk stuff, how Bruce would always say the Hulk prevents him from dying. Mm-hmm. And, like, you even see it in some things where, like, he gets brutally shot or whatever, and the Hulk just spits out all those bullets. 
So, like, that's what I was kind of, like, picturing when I saw, like, that hellish landscape and you see that, like, Hulk face in the sky. What do you mean? Just this specific limbo, which I didn't think at first all the Hulks were connected to. Mm. I thought it was just something in, like, Bruce's head, and then maybe he told uh, She-Hulk about it, and then she kind of, like, pictured it in that sense. Gotcha. But now it's starting to sound more like Speed Force type of thing. Exactly what I was thinking. I was gonna say, I'm not a fan of, like, the Speed Force sentient Mm -hmm. whatever, but, (laughs) you know, they had to pull out some kind of trump card to explain how they keep coming back from the dead. They can't just keep rubbing it off on gamma radiation. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, everyone's like, I can't believe they killed her in Empire. I can't believe they killed her off screen. But then they're just like, ah, ha, ha, we can't kill the She-Hulk. <laughs> the easy answer is sales, but the hard answer is this <laughs> convoluted mess. So <laughs> let's see if we can streamline this a bit. Okay, so okay. Uncle Brian, he shows her a door. He says, everyone who stays here goes back through the door. You don't stay here for long. It's kind of like a purgatory of sorts. And Leonard Samson. Samson's a pretty great guy. He's not very interesting, but I like him. So he's he's talking about how he observed Samson going back through the door and how Jennifer's door would be back for her soon. Mm-hmm. He says that the doors don't come for him, though, and he watches Jennifer go away, and he's just staring into the door like a psycho. He's yeah. got glowing black green eyes, and you're like, wow. I don't think he's going to stay human for very long. (laughs) So then we get some more conversations with She-Hulk and Thor trying to basically, you know, he was explaining what happened in Thor, which we covered as well. You know how he killed Galactus. Yeah, he killed Galactus. He was immortal. He was like, I'm not immortal. You're not immortal. You're just a very young immortal or long lived, not immortal. And so she was like, oh, well, I guess that's fine. Like, Wolverine told her, basically, don't think about it because it'll drive you crazy. And Thor's basically like, enjoy it while you can because you'll be dead soon. Right. So then she reflects on her last death, which was the Kotati death. And how when she went back to Underhell, she confronts this really crazy guy who's known as Sam Stearns, or the leader. And yet... He kind of has the same crazy-looking face as her uncle. Yeah. Uh, he did show up in the Immortal Hulk's uh, issue, a couple of them, I'm pretty sure, because I did see some Alex Ross covers of him. Oh. Do you think that's also her uncle? I don't know Could where be. Sam Stearns came from, so I don't know too much about his backstory. I thought her uncle was maybe Maestro, because that's the new Hulk figure. That he's like a, an older looking Hulk with long gray hair and balding on the top. I thought that was the the uncle be, just because the last time I saw a Hulk that looked like that, it was in the first Hulk movie from 2000s with Eric <laughs> Bana. Oh man, I did not see that. <laughs> That's the only reason I thought like maybe that was his dad. But yeah, I have no idea. I don't know Marvel. Our Marvel <laughs> expert isn't here this week. <laughs> Well, all I know is that uh, this guy, who calls himself the leader, who kind of looks like a Megamind mm-hmm. type person, but crazier, is essentially in control of the doors now. He's been down there so long, he's figured it out, he's learned how to open and close the doors. So basically, I guess the concept is that he could trap Hulks down there if he right. wants to. He makes it sound like a much bigger deal than I think he is. But I think that um, there's going to be a plot around this where they have to all join up together. Hopefully we'll get to see 
Well, here's the thing, is I thought we were building up to a something. We were going to see how the She-Hulk was going to have to team up with other Hulks mm-hmm. to go back and fight him, kind of in a Flash style, you know. Yeah, that Hulk squad that they used to have. Right. I thought that would be a fun introduction into the Hulk family, mm-hmm. kind of very similar to the Flash family. I also had got my hopes up because it was titled The Immortal She-Hulk. So I thought it was going to be a whole other series alongside the Immortal Hulk series that's been going on. Uh, I wonder if this was just kind of to test the waters to see if there is a market for the She-Hulk. Maybe, but like also what you were saying before too, that it kind of just feels like a filler. So it's like, hey, we're not just going to bring her back from the dead off panel. We still are, but we're going to give a little more backstory as to how. Yeah. Because they do explain her death, and then you just see her waking up in her bed again. Right. Clearly having some kind of panic attack. And probably, I'm thinking his goal is to kind of control the Hulks. Maybe he can send them back and make them do his bidding. Mm. But I don't see how that would work. Yeah. I don't know either. I thought maybe she would come back as like a Red Hulk type of thing, because it was green and red. So maybe you'd be getting Rulk and, what's her name, Betsy Ross involved in all this because she's the red she-hulk that's a creative thought i really thought it was more like stop and go i mean it could be just as simple as that too it's marvel they're face value type of things (laughs) (laughs) fair. like i don't know i mean like this is another marvel title that i read and once again like everything just feels very bland about it Mm -hmm. and it could also just be because i don't know enough about any of the characters involved I gotta say, like, it is a letdown from the original, mm-hmm. but my expectations have been so tempered by now that I don't expect glittering, like, dialogue. I don't expect a lot of jokes. I just expect them to get me from point A to point B. The fact they imagine mm-hmm. an entirely new dimension, there's a little bit of intrigue, there's actual stakes. It made it a little bit better for me than I was expecting. So if there is going to be a She-Hulk series that comes out of it, even if it's a miniseries, would you pick it up? Uh, I'd trail along with it. I saw zero personality from her this entire time. Did you notice that? Yeah. She has no personality. Mm-hmm. I don't know how interesting she would be going forward. I feel like he's got a full plate, though, ahead of him. I've been seeing his name pop up in a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. I from mean, what Muse has been saying. Great, yeah. He's super famous. He's one of those prolific writers. Mm-hmm. But... It's no Black Cat, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know why that was canceled. I'm so sad. It's going to come back in a couple of weeks. Okay, okay. It's just a couple weeks away. You got that King in Black event coming out. That's fair. They already released a cover for Black Cat. If you do want to see a good personality, definitely check out Harley Quinn Black, White, and Red. Because that one has personality to spare. I heard of it. I didn't see when it was released i thought it was still coming out it's been out so there's it's like on like number 14 now or something oh my gosh okay (laughs) maybe eight i don't know i'm just guessing but yeah somehow i ended up reading that instead of she hulk first but nice that's my my book report (laughs) wow so how about you tell me about your books well both my titles revolve around the flash this week i can Talk about both pretty quickly, no pun intended. Mm. So I wrote, read The Flash 762, 
written by Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. The art was by Howard Porter. This was the last issue of The Flash on Joshua Williamson's run. This was his 100th issue of The Flash. He's been on board with The Flash since Rebirth uh, number one. Basically, this is just a conclusion to Barry's fight with Reverse Flash and to save his family. It was really good. I gave this thing like a 9 out of 10 right off the bat. I knew it was going to be at least a solid 7 because Joshua Williamson is a really great writer who I know loves The Flash and has always loved The Flash since he was a kid. And as I've mentioned multiple times, he's told me this when I got to see him at Rose City last year. The opening monologue, I felt like it was a little bit meta. It felt like Joshua Williamson was talking about himself a little bit, but, you know, through Barry's voice. Just a part of it is, like, Barry is talking about how he came to be the Flash. He's like, a childhood dream come to life, and then being the Flash became bigger than I ever imagined. And then a couple more things, and he says, has the legend of the Flash become too much for me to live up to? To me, I felt like maybe that was Joshua also saying his own piece in that. He, Like I said, he grew up reading the Flash. Flash was his favorite hero as a kid, just like Barry's favorite hero as a kid was Jay Garrick. Mm-hmm. And then finally getting to become like this person as the Flash could parallel to Joshua getting to write his favorite superhero. And then hoping that he can do justice to his favorite superhero and that people love it. That's how I took it anyway. So it's a quick conclusion. Barry and Reverse Flash are zooming back and forth. Barry decides to do the sappy conclusion to (laughs) defeat the Reverse Flash. He tells Eobard Thawne that he forgives him for all the trouble to Barry's life. Of course, Eobard is like, what? You can't forgive me. You have to fight me. And then charges at Barry. Barry vibrates himself just enough that Eobard ends up siphoning some of Barry's speed force energy. Mm -hmm. Like we said also just before, how all the speedsters are connected to the speed force, right? Right. Eobard, he is connected to the negative speed force. Completely separate. Because of this, he's been a living paradox since before Flashpoint, which is why he's able to remember everything (laughs) and he's able to change all this stuff back and forth. This is that giant paradox loophole that's been allowed him to do this in all these comics since 2011. And so being in contact with this positive speed force of Barry, it cancels out that negative speed force, no longer making him a paradox and therefore erasing him or at least this version of him, from continuity. So Barry basically gave him some of his speed force to ground him. Yes, exactly. Cool. And you actually end up seeing, because Eobard ended up fighting Barry at the start of him doing his actual job as a CSI, and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out this case of this family. And so he's like, you know, now that... Eobard's defeated, I can finally get back to work. And he goes to this house, and it's the ancestors of Eobard Thawne. Oh. They live in this house, very similar to the house Barry grew up in. He meets the great-great-grandmother or whatever, and mentions the husband's last name is Thawne. And Barry just kind of walks away. He's like, huh, (laughs) 
Okay. And then you see this beautiful two-page spread of the Flash family barbecue. Of course. Everybody all together. Uh, Linda brings Giant Iris. You have Bart. You have XS. You have Avery. Then you see um, Max Mercury and Jay Garrick manning the grill. And JLA communicator goes off. Barry says he's got to go. He'll be back. (laughs) Then you just see this last panel run of him doing his closing monologue, saying how he's glad to be the Flash and he'll always do his best. And the background is every single cover from Williamson's run. Wait, his dead mom. His mom, like, confronts him and she's like, why Why do you do it? Why do you risk your lives to help strangers? Is it because of your trauma? <laughs> it's like Tom Keane. <laughs> like to land. Is it trauma that makes a hero? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, it's not that kind of story. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this isn't a, a costume because of tragedy. I'm the Flash because of what my mama taught me. <laughs> it's like the cutest little thing. And I was like, Joe's going to eat this with a spoon. <laughs> Listen, the Flash is great. We always said if you want like positive, like that wholesome content of family and stuff, you can go see Clark hang out with his parents in Smallville. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see it tenfold, you read a Flash comic. <laughs> Flash is filled with so much hope. It's so fluffy. It is so positive. It is so sweet. Williamson has really have it down pat in terms of the family dynamics of like all these characters. I hope that he will make a return to it eventually, even if it's just a couple guest writing appearances here and there. He is the reason why I love like this Flash run now. I never thought I would love reading the Flash. And he definitely changed that for me. So thank you, Joshua Williamson, for these beautiful issues that you've provided for us. And on to the other issue that I read, also written by Joshua Williamson. And it is a tie-in. So it is Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal Number 1. The art was by Eddie Barrows, who I don't know if you remember, but he did the art for the Justice League issue where they were fighting the Tartarus and the Spectre. Hmm. So I know I just said that Williamson did his last issues for The Flash, but this is technically his last story arc for The Flash. If you have been following Death Metal at all or just hear me rambling about it every now and then on here... Wally West, after Flash Forward event, which is a six-issue miniseries, he became invested with the powers of both Dr. Manhattan and the Mobius chair in order to fight the Batman who laughs. Wally actually made a return in Death Metal. Uh, He was saved by Wonder Woman. He got to meet up with Barry and a bunch of the other superheroes. We start off with Barry, Jay Garrick, Wally, and Kid Flash Wallace West running away from the Batman Who Laughs and his army from the dark multiverse of Dark Flashes. For those of you who don't know, a Dark Flash is basically a speedster demon in a black and red costume from the Speed Force, which is very similar to the Grim Reaper. Mm -hmm. And he chases after those uh, speedsters. He's chased Barry time and time again. You've probably seen him if you watch the CW Flash. So they are running away from this entire army of Dark Flashes, which, of course, some look like Batman, some look like the Joker, some just look like Barry or Wally or whatever. 
And in order to give them a little bit of a head start, Wally shouts out the speed formula from Earth 3 Johnny Quick in order to freeze time temporarily, which I had no idea that's how Johnny Quick had his abilities. Johnny Quick, for those of you who don't know, Earth 3 is the opposite of Earth Prime. So this is where the crime syndicate is from. Mm -hmm. So Johnny Quick is a bad flash. Well, evil, anyway. From the Crisis on Two Earths animated movie from years ago, Australian. (laughs) I thought that was really cool because I thought it was only Jesse Quick that had to shout out the formula, which to this day still makes absolutely no sense to me as to how it's vocally activated. Because it's not magic like Shazam, but whatever. That was pretty cool. Wally froze time for a little bit to give them time to plan what to do. And they're arguing back and forth of whether they should run towards the army and fight it. Or they should run away and come up with a better plan later. You get this unnecessary drama between Barry and Wally (laughs) of... Wally basically saying, he's like, you know, like, I feel like I'm always running behind you. Even when I'm the fastest, I'm always trying to catch up to you. You feel like you know what's best. You want to leave. We can't leave. We have to stay and fight. End up going into this rundown Flash Museum because this is the world the Batman Who Laughs has created. And then they have a very quick apologetic moment. Then they make up. They go with Wally's plan. They run towards that giant speedster army. Because Batman Who Laughs is after the Mobius chair. Because he feels like once he gets the Mobius chair, he can help Perpetua even more spread doom and chaos throughout the entire multiverse. And make himself even more powerful while doing so. (laughs) And for those of you who don't remember, Perpetua was the whole reason behind the year of the villain event that just happened many months ago. Which Lex Luthor was also a part of and lost to the Batman Who Laughs. So, they're running towards his army now. They are running past the army, trying to get to the Mobius chair. Jay Garrick is the first one to fall. He says that he's going to do his best to stand his ground and give them more of a head start. Wallace West decides that he's going to go help out Jay, leaving just Barry and Wally. Barry ends up giving Wally the rest of his Speed Force energy. Just because of the world that they live in, the Speed Force is very weak. So the more that they run, the more of it they burn off, and the less connected to the Speed Force they are. Basically, like a Nitro boost, Barry gives Wally the rest of his speed in order to get to that Mobius chair, which he does, and he succeeds. Wally is able to bring the entire Flash family into the Speed Force, including Iris and Linda, who have no connection to the Speed Force whatsoever. (laughs) But I'm going to excuse that as part of Dr. Manhattan's abilities that he has now. Mm. What I also thought was really cool is that when he was given Barry's uh, Speed Force energy, his costume actually started to change to look a little bit more like Barry's, but it kind of, it had silver. So it reminded me of Wally's costume from like the early 2000s. So at the end of it, they all get together. Just like, thank you, Wally. You did it. Now... We have the ability to fight the Batman who laughs. And then Wally basically says, like, okay, so we got to start running then. (laughs) The most hopeful ending for a dark metal. (laughs) It was a really solid story. Once again, a really sweet story. I'm curious to see how long he's going to have this Dr. Manhattan and Mobius chair abilities. I'm assuming till after this whole event is over. 
mm-hmm. which every death metal thing I read just leaves me with like, what the hell? But <laughs> this was the first one I read in a while that didn't have any super weird Batman in it, which was really nice. <laughs> it did have Batman in it. Remember how he was like... Well, what are you got? What are you gonna do first? And he's like, "Fight Batman!" And then they're out running <laughs> that one Batman Shadow. Mm-hmm. And are we gonna talk about how he chases him to the Mobius chair? And when he gets in the Mobius chair, Batman starts laughing like that was his yeah. plan all along. Can't beat Batman. The house always wins. Contingencies on top of contingencies. And you want to talk about the house always wins? Batman, who laughs, currently runs the entire planet. Of course. And a whole dark multiverse. Exactly, yes. So it's more like house on top of house on a Monopoly board. <laughs> but Rich people, am I right? <laughs> but, yeah, that was what I read. I loved both of them. Joshua Williamson is great. I cannot wait to see what he does next for DC. Also, the art for this, incredible. The layouts, yeah, the Eddie, backgrounds. Eddie Barrows, man. I told you. Holy cow. The just the the decisions made in the storyboarding phase are out of this world. Like he's on oh, a different yeah. level. Well, I guess if we were pitting Marvel against DC, we know who won. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're a little biased. So Joe, yes. Since you love DC so much, why don't you just tell us what came out this week? All right, I will. <laughs> so we had Action Comics 1025, Aquaman 63, which was pretty good. Not really big on the mini story arc we have going on right now with Aqualad. Mm. Batgirl 49, the second to last issue of that. Batman Beyond, number 47, which was awesome. Batman Superman, number 12, which was felt really quick, surprisingly. Right. And definitely a build up to the uh, next issue of this story arc, which seems really good. Sandman Universe, Books of Magic, number 23. Justice League Dark, number 26. Black Label, The Last God, number 9. Looney Tunes number 256, Shazam number 15, which bombed, in my opinion. (laughs) Good thing Muse isn't here. I feel like she might agree. You think so? They're trying to set up like an awkward love relationship between Billy Batson and his teacher because he rescued her as Shazam. Oh, no. Yeah. No. And then, like, you know, he kind of does good by her. He Treats her to a dinner because she's all shaken up because her apartment (laughs) went on fire. But of course, in the beginning of the issue, she's a substitute teacher and everybody hates her because she's trying to stay on track. And yeah, and then at the end of the issue, Billy sees her in school and tells her that he appreciates the work that she does. Well, that's good. That's not a love relationship. No, it was just really awkward because like as Shazam, he drops her off at like her friend's apartment and then something happens and... He's, they kind of look at each other, and he's like, well, I gotta, I, I better take care of it. She's like, yeah, yeah, um, maybe maybe you should. Oh, no. It, yeah, it looked like panel from Man of Steel with Amy Adams. Great. Looked really awkward. It bombed, in my opinion. And then um, Suicide Squad number nine, which was the big event of the death of dead shot by Black Mask, who still has his special abilities from Lex Luthor during the Year of Villain event, where he can change his entire body to look like whoever. Mm-hmm. And he decided to disguise himself as Superman and shoot Deadshot in the chest, right in the sternum, it looked like, and then point blank in the head. And then he fell, I don't know how many stories down. He's fine. He'll, he'll be fine. It's DC. 
they all come back. It's comics. Remember when they <laughs> shot him in like the eye with an arrow or something in Batman? Oh yeah, Deathstroke. Oh wait, is it Deadshot that died? Deadshot died. Deadshot doesn't have regenerative abilities, does he? Nope, he is just a guy with great accuracy. I finally get the big deal now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. All this time I've been like, why is everyone talking about killing Deathstroke? You can't kill Deathstroke. Y'all are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was this stupid. It's, it's okay. Floyd Lawton. Well, Floyd good Lawton riddance. died for the first time in DC Comics history. I never liked him. It's boring. Um, so I'll cover Muse's uh, comics, which are basically sure. anything that came out from Marvel. We got Daredevil number twenty-two, Doctor Doom number seven, Fantastic Four Antithesis number two, Maestro number two, Spider-Man number four. Your favorite show, Spider-Man War number four. And we got Spider-Woman number four. You read that one, right? Yes, I've been reading the series. I did not read the latest issues of Noir or Spider-Woman, but both of those are really good. Good. Um, well, Star Wars Bounty Hunters uh, number five, and we also have Venom number 28 and X of Swords creation number one. Did you read that, that the one? the latest event. I did not. I am new. staying away from the X-Men. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, well, now we have some news, and you should actually give this, since you found most of sure. it yourself. I can rattle it off. There is a lot of news. We have been really lacking in some comic news for a good couple weeks, DC fandom aside. So, as soon as me and Muse finished recording last week's episode, we got hit with these two headlines. So, for DC, Henry Cavill has signed on for another three-movie contract with DC Comics including, supposedly, another six cameo appearances. Goodness. Possibly, after the Flash movie comes out, with the whole Flashpoint time continuum thing, they are going to reboot the universe, and they're going to keep Henry Cavill as Superman, but he is going to be done better than we had received. That is my theory, anyway, <laughs> as to what he signed on for. Ever hopeful. Well, maybe if Zack Snyder's film bombs, they'll actually be like, maybe this wasn't a good idea. We won't give you back to Zack. <laughs> maybe he's already signed off. We don't have no idea yet. Uh, just released, Hawkman was casted for the Black Adam movie, and he is going to be played by Aldous Hodge. He is famously known for the TV show Leverage, Hidden Figures, Straight Outta Compton, Underground, and just this year, The Invisible Man. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. It sounds pretty interesting. And you have Supergirl Season 6 is going to be the final season of this show. Production on all the CW shows were delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. They are hoping to pick up production soon. Uh, Melissa Benoist, the actress who plays Supergirl, just recently had a baby a couple weeks ago too, which also had pause in the production for obvious reasons. Right. People are speculating that between the delays of production and just the downward ratings trajectory of the show, producers, CW, Warner Brothers, and Melissa Benoist just came to the decision that it was better to end the show with a longer final season. Hmm. And part of me also feels that the reason Supergirl is getting canceled is because it's too high budgeted in terms of graphics and they cannot have Supergirl and the Superman TV show happening at the same time. 
Oh no, so that's like basically the plot of Supergirl is just constant, at least the first season was always like, I'm constantly overshadowed by my cousin. (laughs) Well, not only that, the reason why they created a Supergirl show in the first place is because they didn't want to just have another Superman show. (laughs) And then they see this and they're like, oh, you know what? Money. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Superman makes money. they picked a really nice guy that everyone seems to love as superman yeah tyler hecklin's great he's a good he's a good superman i definitely like him a lot as clark kent but yeah so i mean good job on six years and you know curious to see where else they're gonna end up or if they even guest star and maybe the superman lowest tv show when that comes out and the last bit of news i have for dc keeping up with movies creating side story television shows on hbo max james gunn is creating a peacemaker television show eight episodes long about john cena's character in the suicide squad movie coming out peacemaker james gunn is writing and producing all eight episodes and he's directing the pilot and john cena is actually a co-executive producer on this show holy cow It's going to be exploring Peacemaker's origin, and with a recent tweet from James Gunn, that does not necessarily mean it is a prequel. They have yet to give a release date for this show, so it could be coming out either a couple weeks before or after the premiere of Suicide Squad. Nice. So I'm excited for this. I love John Cena. (laughs) Do you? I do. I mean, I never watch wrestling, but my first experience of John Cena was in The Marine. Uh, and then I just saw him do a bunch of silly stuff afterwards. And I thought, oh, he's a great guy. I only saw the silly stuff. And I think I saw him in a Scooby-Doo spinoff. <laughs> but for Marvel news, uh, the other major headline that came out as soon as me and Muse finished recording, Tatiana Maslany, famous for Orphan Black, is signed on as She-Hulk. She's so tiny. How many apple boxes does it take to make your <laughs> muscles big? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm curious to see how she's going to do. I really like she's her. A she's really a really good actress. actress. But like, holy cow. I mean, I'm glad they're not typecasting based on body mm-hmm. <laughs> shape. I saw a couple of photo edits already of Tatiana as a She-Hulk, like in the She-Hulk form, and it looks really good. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go. I really like her and I was super excited for that. The other news we have, Black Widow finally came out with more updates on its premiere and it is delayed until May 2021. A lot of people are like kind of uproar and they're like, we just want it already. But at the same time, I'm personally, I'm glad that they're delaying it and they're not following the Wonder Woman track of like, no, we'll just put it out during the holidays. People will go see it. You never know. It might work out for Wonder Woman. I know it didn't work out for Mulan, but they had all those extra controversies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could you imagine Black Widow and Wonder Woman coming out Christmas Day? <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> that <laughs> like... would be a fun, and it would be a nightmare. <laughs> I would see both of them. It would be an absolute race to see who's going to make the most money. I don't really care about Black Widow, but I love, 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 love Scarlett Johansson. I'm excited. I don't mind waiting until May in order to go see it. And people are also freaking out because this is the first year since 2009 that a Marvel movie hasn't come out. Oh, right. I saw that on Tumblr, but everyone was going, the evil has been defeated. (laughs) So I don't think they were complaining. And then the last bit of news I have, getting into 
actually perfect segue for next week's comics. Marvel is having some printing delays with some of their comics that came out between this week and next week. So the variants for Avengers 36 are delayed. The variants for Fantastic Four number 24, the ones done by Alex Ross, those are delayed. Then you also have delays on Marvel Zombies, Resurrection number 2, Venom 28, and X of Swords Creation number 1. That's a lot of delays. Mm-hmm. So they gotta get their shit together. Well, speaking of, you wanted to read off the next week's DC releases? I don't mind doing it. Mm-hmm. So we have the first Batman Superman annual number one. A one-shot Batman the Joker War Zone number one. Black Label Batman 3 Jokers number two, which I'm very excited for. Dark Knight's Death Metal Multiverse's End number one. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey number three, which I am still very confused with because this was supposed to be a one-shot, but okay. Then you have the Sandman Universe John Constantine Hellblazer number 10. Justice League Annual number 2, Legion of Superheroes number 9, Red Hood Outlaw number 49, second to last issue Scott Lobdell's on the series. You have Wonder Woman 763, and then Wonder Woman 1984 number 1, which I'm pretty sure the cover is done by Nicholas Scott. Nice. I'm kind of excited. It looks great. And the variant covers of Joshua Middleton for the Wonder Woman series, they just released a whole bunch of new ones. Mm-hmm. That are going to be coming out. Oh my god, they look so good. Good. Well, let's see. For Marvel, we have Avengers number 36, Falcon and Winter Soldier number 3, Fantastic Four 24. There's going to be a giant size X-Men tributes to Wine and Cockrum number 1. No idea. No idea? Me neither. The Immortal Hulk, uh, The Threshing Place number 1. Maybe that's what it's called. Maybe. Maybe that's what we were setting up. The threshing place. Mm -hmm. So if you were intrigued by She-Hulk, check that one out. Marvel's X, number five. Marvel Zombies Resurrection, number two. Savage Avengers, number 12. Shang-Chi, number one. Uh, Star Wars Dr. Aphra, number four. Strange Academy, number three. And X-Factor, number four. Muse would be happy for a couple of these. (laughs) So many zombies. They're still doing zombies. It blows my mind. Yeah, It makes the money. So many things happening at the same time. Well, good luck to them. <laughs> and you guys, thank you so much for putting up with us this week. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episode by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you might listen to your podcasts. Take care. Take care.